Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard Sit, Ubu, sit. Good dog. It's Eric Roberts is the fucking man Redux, once again, the world's only Eric Roberts-related podcast. I'm Doug Tilly, and joining me as usual is the boy who lived, Liam O'Donnell. How are you doing today, Liam? Is that a Harry Potter reference that you just made? Is that what that is? I don't I don't know who the boy who lived is. Yeah, Harry Potter, the beloved franchise that has no problematic elements attached to it whatsoever. Oh, great. I'm glad you're associating me with that. I'm sure there's no <laughs> negative repercussions whatsoever, and I'm ready to fully embrace it the way the Democratic Party has. You know what? It's just a coincidence that I called you that. I just think that you happen to be a boy, Liam, who also is alive. I'm a man. <laughs> I have a full, I'm a full, full grown ass man. <laughs> Your obituary is the man who died, as opposed to the boy who lived. <laughs> Liam, how are things in your life? Uh, there's been some exciting announcements uh, that I've heard. I don't know if you want to talk about it here on sure. the show, yeah. but uh, you've decided to leave the United States of America and move to Soviet Russia? Yeah, man. It's crazy because <laughs> I thought there wasn't a Soviet Russia anymore, but it turns out I was wrong, <laughs> and I can't wait to, to join up. Uh, I, it's weird because it, it's, it apparently isn't in actual Russia. It's somewhere else, but I'll find it. It'll be fine. Huh? I mean, for someone who has said better dead than red so often on this podcast, it's very confusing to me. I just got you... confused. I thought that was about Republicans. I thought better <laughs> dead than red was about Republicans, but it's actually about communism. Man, I mean, that's a lot we're... of money I wasted, like full back tattoos, like everything. <laughs> we're just joking around, of course. Liam, you're, you are moving uh, to Illinois. I am. I'm moving to Clarendon Hills, which is just outside of Chicago, and uh, it's a big, it's a big move, man. I, uh, I've, I've been an East Coast person my whole life, uh, not always in the Philadelphia area, but uh, always on the East Coast. And so, you know, I've been out there to visit because that's where my wife's family is, and we are pretty excited to be closer to her family and um, to take advantage of that uh, Grammy babysitting and all that kind of stuff. But uh, it's 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 not an easy it's not an easy thing to move, especially at forty years old. To think like, oh, it's cool. I'll just go to a social event and make new friends. It's like, wait, no, that's not a thing, right? That's not a thing you do at this age. People don't meet new friends. That's not. Hey, you possible. know what? The world's a different place now. You know, and I. <laughs> so there Liam, are no it... social events to meet people. Is what you're saying? <laughs> that's exactly right, Liam. Are you moving to Illinois because of your uh, love for the Sufjan Stevens album about Illinois? <laughs> No, no, that's uh, unrelated. But it's a, a fringe benefit. I'm more of a seven swans guy. Liam, I bet you are. <laughs> Liam, <laughs> how has your lovely daughter been doing lately? Uh, she's really good, actually. Uh, I will say, and this is probably true for other people out there, mm -hmm. in the midst of mm -hmm. first a pandemic and now uh, a series of uprisings across the country, right. um, and, and as someone who has a already hard to manage social media addiction it's really sure. hard to manage a three-year-old when what you want to be doing is like yelling about things on the internet you know but it's also boring our guest today is a writer and co-host of the evil eye podcast which you can find on the cinepunks podcast network it's robert scavarla robert how are you doing today in this really it's it's been quite a year this 2020 that we're both living in i'm not moving to soviet russia but otherwise i'm doing well what, what what do you have against Soviet Russia? Honestly, it's I'm it, it sounds pretty good to me uh, these days yeah. at least. <laughs> I mean, it's going to definitely dovetail nicely into what we're talking about today. I have nothing against <laughs> Soviet Russia. <laughs> <laughs> you know, someone's listening right now, Robert. You're on a podcast talking about Eric Roberts, the beloved actor. Um, but I usually like to start our conversation about Eric Roberts, getting your lifetime experience with the actor. What's the first time that you remember being aware of Eric Roberts as a person that exists in the world? Uh, Runaway Train. I saw it when I was probably 19 or 20. Did not know who he was, and I was blown mm -hmm. away by his performance as an actor. So I sought out other first movies. Many of them were good, but then I realized Eric Roberts is the person who just kind of collects paycheck. 
So he's just as often in very bad movies as he is good ones. Controversial statement to make on a podcast devoted to the actor Eric Roberts. <laughs> though, though I have to admit, one that's difficult to disagree with, particularly in the light of the movie that we're going to be talking about today. You started with Runaway Train, Robert. Is that still your favorite Eric Roberts movie? I have not seen all of his better known roles. I still need to see Star 80, which I've had a lot of people recommend to me. But mm-hmm. actually, my favorite role isn't one of his best better known or most well-regarded uh, movies. It's the Lifetime series, what is it, Stalked by My Doctor? Stalked by My Doctor. Four entries in with hopefully <laughs> a fifth on the way. They're so good. They're amazing. And he's just great in all of them. And the series just gets progressively more insane. I forget who said it um, recently, but they're basically the modern equivalent of exploitation films in an Absolutely. era where you can't really make exploitation films, or if you can, they're very hard to make in a way that are entertaining to as wide an audience as possible. So those movies, I think, are a perfect example of that and probably my favorite. My favorite performances Eric Roberts has ever given. Oh, well. Uh, again, large words, especially considering he is a mm. Oscar-nominated actor. <laughs> I would I would argue, though, in today's film fan climate, Stalked by My Doctor is actually his most popular work. You know, really? when, Interesting. When, when we did that live event with Eric Roberts, more than half of the crowd was there only because of Stalked by My Doctor. <laughs> I don't I know if that's, that's necessarily an audience. I love that that's developed like a fandom, that series in specific, because it's not one I ever hear people talk about. It's a, it's a cult. It's a cult item, Liam. Though I do again, I, I do think that there's something to the idea that these Lifetime movies have gotten so unhinged that they're able to become these kind of strange cult items though i don't think many more have taken that same path which is odd considering stock by my doctor is you know it of those kind of movies and and frankly they put out a ridiculous number of original films every year are is the ones that are popular enough to keep getting sequels to them liam are you excited about stock by my doctor five i know that you've been waffling a little on the series i mean i i don't think you can argue for me for my taste there's diminishing returns. They've not been what? they've not been increasing in quality for me. However, I do think that uh, four, right? That's what we're up to is four. I yes. do think four was better than three. So I do think there is an upswing possible. So five could <laughs> Liam, be great. Liam, let me explain to you the concept of diminishing returns. <laughs> well, in the sense that two and three both went downhill, and then yes. four got a little bit better, but nothing has surpassed one for me. I think one is a freaking masterpiece of trash cinema uh so it's hard for me to be as excited about five however i will point out that there is already precedent that a series can improve on the fifth movie with the fast and furious films a series that's almost entirely unwatchable until the fifth movie but mm. I bet that's probably a controversial statement to some people as well. But I haven't watched that series, so it's not controversial to me. However, it does seem a very silly thing to say out loud, Liam. I feel like you're opening it's yourself up. Unbelievably true. Five, six, and seven are great. And then everything else is trash. What about Tokyo Drift? Robert, thoughts on Tokyo Drift? I have not seen Tokyo Drift since it came out, so I could not give an informed opinion. I thought it was fine. I know a lot of people seem to love it. But I think I will agree with Liam in the sense that. The Fast and the Furious series gets better as you go along. The first one's kind of boring to me personally, but once you get to the later sequels, and especially when you get that little Paul Walker shout out. Liam, I've heard that when you're drifting, if you ain't out of control, you're not in control. Thoughts? Wow, I could not care less, though I will say (laughs) that part three is superior to parts two and one. It's Mm. weirdly out of place because... In part three, they suddenly decided that the series should be both kid-friendly in that it's a high school movie, but also more realistic, which was a weird decision to make. Like, let's make this more appropriate for youth, but also have it have consequences when it's never had consequences before. So this is a Fast and the Furious podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But speaking about things that are fast and furious, we need to talk about the latest Eric Roberts news on The Roberts Report.
It's the Roberts Report for this episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man Redux. And if we continue today with a deep dive on the man himself's Twitter feed, you can follow Eric Roberts on Twitter at Eric Roberts, all one word. And you probably should because he's been tweeting up a storm since he, like so much of the world, has been stuck inside a lot lately. Back on June 8th, he says, Don't drive high on the highway. The freeways aren't free if you pay with a life. Buckle up. Hands on wheel. Focus on the road. Sounds like some advice that uh, some of those drivers in the Fast and the Furious series might be able to uh, take advantage of. Robert, you're our guest today. Your thoughts on driving while high? I don't have any. I've never done it. I don't drive while high. Mm, But you do get high. Actually, no. I'm one of those people who I get really paranoid if I smoke Mm. weed. So literally the only time I have been... The only times I've been high in the last probably five to six years. One time I freaked out and hid under my roommate's bed at a party. The second time someone tricked me into eating a massive quantity of weed cake. So it was like the worst bad trip you have ever had. And for about the next 12 hours, I was out of my fucking mind. Well, Robert, I once uh, had a bunch of edibles and got so high that I had a panic attack and passed out and then started to choke on ketchup chips. And my (laughs) wife, who was also high... Had to, uh, I, I had passed out, right? Like I was unconscious while I was vomiting. So I had all this vomit and I pissed myself at the same time. So, and my wife had to drag me into the shower uh, <laughs> where I kept passing out again. And since then, I'm not allowed to get high anymore. Liam, you don't like to get high. <laughs> no, I do not. That's weird because do you think that story you just told would like really endorse it for me? But weirdly enough, I am 40 years old and still straight edged. It's strange. Wait, is yeah. this a straight edge podcast? This, yeah, absolutely. It, it didn't is. used to be. It used to be Doug making fun of me for being straight edge podcast. <laughs> but then he had, but then he had the straight edge revenge himself by himself, and now he's <laughs> on the straight and narrow. Yeah. Now, uh, now, Liam, you don't do hard drugs. I mean, no. That's <laughs> weirdly enough. That's included in the in the whole thing. Yeah. But like, you do do the softer drugs. Uh, if we're, if, if what you mean is coffee, cause you're trying to make a coffee joke, then yes, I do drink coffee. No, I'm not trying to suggest that you're, you sound very sleepy and like you aren't engaged with the podcast in any way, but you shoot, you do drink coffee. You enjoy caffeine, which is of course a stimulant, a drug. Yeah. My issue is not with that at all. Mm-hmm. But there are some, uh, straight edge people who don't, uh, intake caffeine. Yeah, I, I believe the quote from Ian McKay was, uh, tell your friend to fuck off. Right? <laughs> so oh, wait, are you referring to me now? Because <laughs> he's, you know, you haven't seen that famous, the famous quote. So he said, a kid asked him, like, saw him drinking iced tea and was like, but my friend said caffeine's a drug. And, and he said, well, tell your friend to fuck off. <laughs> Liam, do you think people should get high and drive their vehicles? I mean, I actually think so that the, the, the science on this has not been studied as much as it should be because our general feeling on weed is that either it should be a total free for all or it should be treated like a serious drug instead of us just doing normal ass tests to figure out like how it works and what it actually does. So my problem with the question around should people drive high is like they probably shouldn't, but we actually don't have enough information because we haven't tested it. Whereas we know what happens when you drive drug because we've just let people drive drug for a long time. And then we're like, oh, wait, there's clear evidence. This is a bad idea. So we don't have the same sort of clinical studies, unfortunately, uh, partly because in some places uh, it's still illegal to even do tests with pot, even though in other places it's legal to have pot for funsies. So, uh, you know, we just really haven't figured out as a country what we should do about weed. My general feeling is you probably shouldn't drive while high, but mm. I, I wish I had an actual study to say because we've shown blah, blah, blah. And we, we just don't have that kind of research, unfortunately. But you do think we should hashtag legalize it. One hundred percent. Eric Roberts on June 3rd tweeted, they will arrest people for protesting the taking of a life, but they will not arrest people for protesting the saving of lives. What's that? What's he trying to say here, Liam? Um, oh, because of the. OK, right, right, right. He's talking about the, <laughs> for half a second. I was like, I don't know what he's talking about. Actually. <laughs> but then I just realized he's talking about the, the protests that were saying that we shouldn't 
uh, have quarantine or lockdowns or whatever. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. He also said on June 2nd, elect a leader who leads with their heart. Robert, uh, who is that? What leader is he talking about that we should elect? And when I say we, of course, I mean Liam and yourself and not me. You know, based on the options we have right now, I don't think either of them exactly have a heart. But Mm. if we're going to be stuck in the current system using the idea of lesser two evils, I'm just going to say go with Joe Biden because fuck it. What other option do you have at this point? Ah, you do have another option. Gary Johnson, the libertarian. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) Actually, I'm very angry at the libertarians this year. They could have nominated Vermin Supreme and they chose not to. Oh, Liam, thoughts on on the libertarians. I'm going to go ahead and say I don't know enough about that to talk shit, but I'm probably not into it. Just going to do a quick poll with the both of you. Liam, starting with you, in your lifetime, who was the best United States president? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh I don't want it, I don't want people to take this as a as a full endorsement of his presidency or policies, but uh Barack Obama would be the greatest president in my lifetime. Which I thought you you know, I thought you're seventy nine. Yeah, you know who I thought you were gonna say? Bill Clinton? Nope. Who? Oh wait, no, I Jimmy Carter. <laughs> oh right. Oh, you're right. He was Yeah, so you got the tail end of Jimmy Carter. Oh man. You know <laughs> No. I don't know. I don't I will straight up own that I don't know enough about Jimmy Carter's president. Because every, every positive thing I have in my head immediately about Jimmy Carter is about the nice shit he said after he wasn't president yeah, anymore. no kidding, right? Uh, Robert, uh, Liam obviously lo- loves drone strikes on children. Uh, do, you have a, <laughs> a, do you have a favorite president? I'm going to have to agree again here, unfortunately. My options are even more limited because I was born in the 80s. So mm. literally only two options available to me are Clinton or Obama. So... Of those two, Obama. Very interesting to hear everyone's thoughts on presidencies. Back on May 29th, the famous actor-director Rob Reiner tweeted, And once again, the idiot-in-chief incites violence. God save U.S. Also, it also reads as us, like God save us. Eric Roberts, uh, he, he retweeted this and added, Even stating tragic facts, you are hilarious. Robert, sticking with you. Rob Reiner, actor, director, what's your favorite Rob Reiner movie? He did The Princess Bride, right? He certainly did. Then let's go with that. But didn't just so I'm clear, did he play Meathead? On, he did uh, play Meathead. So that's my favorite Rob Reiner thing because it's just, how can you not love him playing Meathead? But of his movies, Princess Bride. I feel like, uh, you know, this uh, This might be making a little bit of light of all these uh, things that are happening, but I feel like we're all meatheads, and that Donald Trump guy, he's like our own personal Archie Bunker. Probably. I'm going to agree <laughs> with you there. <laughs> Liam, over to you. You're... <laughs> probably, probably stand by me, honestly. Interesting. I thought one of you were going to say this is Spinal Tap. I know you're a big music fan, Liam. I was thinking about this is Spinal Tap, uh, but I just have to go with what I would more likely like. What had a bigger impact on me? And while I do love this is Spinal Tap, I've watched Stand by Me a million times. Um, it is uh, until recently was my favorite Stephen King adaptation, honestly. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'll go with Stand by Me. Close second though is this is Spinal Tap, and I guess I'll go with Princess Bride after this is Spinal Tap, though. I don't know. I really like when Harry met Sally too. So I guess those are kind of equal for me. Oh wait, did he? Oh wait, did he also do the Progeria movie where the kid ages really quickly? The Robin Williams movie. What's it, Jack? Jack. No, that that is directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Okay, never mind. (laughs) I was gonna say I was gonna go with that because it's such a ridiculous movie, and even as a kid, I was like, "There's something wrong here with this." But I'm not familiar enough with Rob Reiner's filmography to really differentiate him from Francis Ford Coppola, apparently. He did. Rob Reiner did direct the film North, which, of course, is the film that uh, got, uh, received the review from Roger Ebert where he says, I hated, 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 hated this movie. Uh, I haven't seen North in quite a while, but I've heard that it, it's not very good. Speaking of sad news uh, from the Eric Roberts household, one of his beloved cats passed away recently. Uh, Hart. You remember, you remember Hart, Liam, from... Uh, 
Right. Uh, he did post on his uh, Twitter feed, a gift from my wife to ease our loss of one of our kitties' heart. I love your book, Pamela. And it's a book called The Meaning of Meow. Now, Liam, you uh, you don't have any pets, right? I have two cats. <laughs> you fucking jacko. <laughs> uh, are your cats going to be coming with you uh, on your trip to Illinois? Yeah, I think we have to ship them, but we are planning to bring them with Okay, very Robert, do you have pets of your own? I do not have pets of my own, but I live with two people. Um, one of my roommates has a cat who loves to tear my shit up, so I guess technically I have a cat. Oh, do you have a negative feeling towards this cat? Only when she tears up my, you know, futon and my desk chair and any other piece Ooh. of equipment or bed or anything she wants to dig her claws into. Sounds like there's some uh, unresolved issues with this cat. Would you prefer there was a dog around? Do you like dogs more than cats, Robert? I am a dog person. I grew up around dogs. Love them. Better than cats, 100%. I have a dog that sucks. Her name is Akira, (laughs) and she's a husky, and she's no good at all. Any thoughts on that? I don't know. She's a dog. She sounds cool. All right. On the website sahiwal.tv, there's an article that says... Eric Roberts says quarantine has strengthened his marriage. Now, I doubt either of you have read what I've put here on this document that we're both looking at. But this strange article ends with an advertisement for erectile dysfunction medication that is part of the article. I don't know what I don't, like I don't know if this article is actually supposed to be a real thing or if this is just some sort of weird way to sell this medication, but I'm just going to read a small quote from it. And this is word for word. Eric and Eliza are additionally having enjoyable with shut friend Dustin Wolf's product, The Rocket. The Rocket is a non-pharmaceutical reply to serving to males resolve erectile dysfunction points. The system makes use of low-intensity sound wave remedy to cut back plaque buildup and improve blood move. Eric has mentioned he doesn't have erectile dysfunction. However, joked a couple of seconds, he and Eliza not too long ago had a dwelling. But here's the deal. I have a little updating, Eric dishes. He and Eliza had been having a romantic night, however. I had a little delay, he says. So we decided to have a little group session with the rocket. And about half an hour later, it wasn't bad. (laughs) Liam, any interest in trying out the rocket? No, thank you. Well, Eliza says, so I think that there's a lot more anxiety around this guy, you know, right? Not to mention that we can fake it a lot more easily, she laughs. (laughs) (laughs) Robert, thoughts on strengthening your marriage during the lockdown? It doesn't sound like she's strengthening uh, strengthening it if she's faking it. (laughs) I love that the big, the big, like, promotion is, it wasn't bad. (laughs) Not just it wasn't bad. Like, she admits she fakes orgasms with her husband. <laughs> Liam, uh, even aside from... Uh, we're just having a little fun here with this ridiculous article. But uh, the, the idea that this this product uses a low-intensity sound wave to, to give you erections. What do you think about that? Does that sound like it would work? Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty, sounds, uh, I'm sounds pretty like unfamiliar you've... with the with the biology at play. I'll say that. This sounds like the CIA experiment going on right here, shipping sound waves into your uh, erectile dysfunction medication. Is is the medication just sound waves, or do you have to like take a pill with it? Oh, that's an excellent question that I do not have the answer for. If if you are a listener who knows more about the rocket, please let us know. But uh, it does sound like if I had a good hi-fi setup and I uh, whipped out my danger and put it next to the speakers with some low bass, <laughs> I could get some uh, some action happening. Liam, thoughts on that? I'm who are gonna, some good, who are some good a, bass-heavy I'm artists? I'm going to start a petition for you never to say the word danger on a recording <laughs> ever again. <laughs> Liam, who are, who's the best bass-heavy musician? What? Who's, who's <laughs> like a, a, a band that has a lot of bass in their music? I don't. I don't fucking know, man. Can how about do- uh, how about uh, George Clinton and Parliament Funkadelic? Sure, sure. Or uh, Two Live Crew. That would at least thematically also fit. Although I guess George Clinton's pretty raunchy as well. Oh, well. Whatever you say, sir. Speaking of good news, 
Doctor Who's Eric Roberts is getting his own master spinoff from Big Finish. So, uh, longtime listeners of Eric Roberts is the fucking man will probably know a couple of pieces of information. One is that Eric Roberts played the character of the Master on the 1996 Doctor Who television movie. Very controversial uh, role in some ways. A lot of people who love Doctor Who are not a big fan of that movie. However, in recent years, it feels like it's uh, it's come back around. It's become a little bit more popular. And with that comes these audio dramas from Big Finish, which have brought Eric Roberts as the master back into continuity and into uh, the hearts and minds of Doctor Who fans. And now he's getting his own spinoff. On this new collection, the model of the Time Lord villain has escaped the Time Vortex, the place he ended up trapped in at the finish of the TV film, to wreak havoc upon the universe. Robert, are you a Doctor Who fan? I did not know what Doctor Who was until maybe five years ago, so I'm going to go with a no, because I have never even watched an episode. Well, okay. So who is your favorite Doctor? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Liam, this is exciting, though. I'll say the current one. Yeah, it's a, a woman, uh, oh, which good. is good. Yeah, very progressive. Uh, Liam, um, your thoughts on this? Uh, Eric Roberts getting his own master spinoff series. I mean, at this point, I'm pretty stoked on Eric Roberts getting any regular work. So I'm gonna be, I'm gonna say that's great. I like the idea of like an audio. I like the idea of these properties where some of the actors involved have gotten a little bit older, but you know their voices still sound strong. Right. And they can yeah. still right. It, it. I think there's a lot that they can do there. And one of the nice things about these big finish productions is like it'll take doctors from different time periods and have them working together. Uh, and a- apparently they're very well written and well produced. I'm very excited to check this out, Liam. I think we are going to have to check it out. Why is that? Some stupid thing you got me drunk and told me to say. We made a blood oath to cover the life and work of Eric Roberts. And, you know, the work includes audio dramas. One thing we're going to need, we're going to have to get some Doctor Who expert. Liam, just between you and I, I don't think Robert knows that much about Doctor Who. We'll have to get a Doctor Who expert on to talk about the master and these audio dramas. Yeah, that sounds cool. (laughs) Hey, uh, Liam. Yes? Remember Heath Ledger, the actor? Yeah, sure. Ten Things I Hate About You. Yes, the guy from Ten Things I Hate About You. Well... (laughs) He later went on to be in a movie called The Dark Knight. It's a Batman movie. Unfamiliar. Mm-hmm. Robert, The Dark Knight. You want my thoughts? Or... <laughs> the Dark Knight, Robert. It's one of Eric Roberts' more interesting roles because he plays a crime boss. So there's that. I don't think I've ever Sal seen Sal Maroney. Before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I'm going to you know, probably make some people angry here when I say I think the movie's a little overrated. Not oh, as much Bob of a fan Ooh. of it as uh, I was when it first came out. I've tried watching it again recently, and it's kind of a mess. Robert Scavarla. Yes? What did you think of Joker? I'm going to make some people angry here by saying <laughs> I actually liked Joker in spite of many of Todd Phillips' faults as a director. But I so, think the script is actually very interesting in some of the choices it makes. Well, so it sounds to me, Dark Knight, overrated. Joker, underrated. I would not say underrated because, (laughs) unfortunately, there's a subset of fans online who are very obnoxious and treat it as if it's the greatest thing ever made when it has some very obvious flaws. Liam, Scott Adams, the famous cartoonist. Wait, can we follow up? Can we just pause? We are following up with exactly what I just. But I want to follow up (laughs) since Rob just said that the Dark Knight was overrated and joker was maybe not as rated as it should be rob Mm -hmm. could you also remind everyone what your twitter handle is i just want to make sure that they have that information ready to go so they just oh it's my name it's at robert scabarla and i can totally go into why i think joker is an okay movie but not a good movie i'm not saying it's underrated i'm not saying it should be rated better i'm just saying there are it made interesting choices in the script and certain things that it did, it did well. And I think it got a bit of an unfair. I think that hype before it came out was a little unfair because it was directed in a way that wasn't concerned with whether the movie was good or not. It was simply just an example of people wanting to be angry about something without having seen it yet. Mm, interesting. Liam, the hangover. <laughs> No thanks, I'm good. 
Liam Scott Adams, the beloved creator of the Dilbert cartoon strip, he suggested that the movie Joker uh, was so powerful that it's the reason that people are marching in the streets right now. It actually has nothing to do with Black Lives Matter at all. That sounds like a real Dilbert thing to say. <laughs> what do you think about the Scott Adams, Liam? Uh, I mean, look, <laughs> the first 30 times I read Dilbert and it was the same joke, I still thought it was kind of funny. But uh, I don't know. It doesn't seem like a great body of work to me. All right. Well, everyone's allowed to have their own opinion, Liam. Opinions are like buttholes. Recently added to the ever-expanding Eric Roberts IMDb feed is 2020's People in Landscape, a British film from director Benjamin Ryder, who directed Here Be Dragons in 2018 and Suburban Coffin in 2018. People in Landscape, shot in black and white, focuses on Sandra's surreal divorce from her husband, which quite literally brings about the end of the world. Uh, The film also has, of course, uh, Eric Roberts, Gina Gershon, Anna Whitman, Kate Cook uh, from uh, Call the Midwife. Ooh, very exciting. And Alison Broman, who also appeared in Suburban Coffin. Liam, this sounds kind of interesting. A black and white movie about the end of the world. Is that hit a little too close to home? Because it's the end of the world? Because we're currently experiencing the end of the world? (laughs) No, I, I I think I'm good. Liam... Are you optimistic about the fate of the planet Earth? What kind of ridiculous question is that? <laughs> Seems par for the course. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. I, everything seems great. I'm sure it'll be great. Sounds like yeah. It sounds like you don't necessarily mean that. I'm gonna go over to Robert. Robert, your thoughts on the future of the planet Earth? Man, the world's been ending for the last sixty years. I think let's just let it ride. I feel like dying would be a stone groove. Any thoughts on that, Robert? No. Okay. <laughs> Liam, are you going to check out People in Landscape? Sure. <laughs> Anything else to add? <laughs> nah, not particularly. <laughs> <laughs> well, why? Why are you going to check out People in Landscape? I don't know. Some reason. We made a blood oath to cover the life and work of actor Eric Roberts, Liam. And part of that blood oath meant that we, on this episode, have to talk about an Eric Roberts project. And that project, as chosen by our guest today, Robert Skvarla, is The Code of Cain from 2016, a Belarusian action film with some odd religious leanings and also some propagandistic leanings. So we're going to talk about that after this break. We're all, I feel like you guys have gotten a little too silly, so everyone calm down a little bit. When we come back, we're going to talk about The Code of Cain. We call it The Code of Cain. When a wall of estrangement, distrust, and anger grows between the brothers... That's my brother. You will not scare me, you understand? Only love and kindness may save the world from madness. I love you. World-renowned journalist Sarah Ogden is traversing the world in pursuit of carriers of a fatally dangerous stamp of Cain in order to prevent seemingly unrelated events such as mass murders, turmoil, revolutions, and chaos. She doesn't even suspect how close she is to the edge of the abyss when in her search she ends up in Belarus to meet face-to-face with the one whom she has been searching for her entire life. It's the Code of Cain from the year 2016, a.k.a. We Brothers. A.K.A. Abel, directed by both William Vettel and Denis Sobolev, and written by Roman Makushev. And those names, at least some of them, will probably suggest to you that maybe this movie wasn't made in the United States of America as so many movies are. No, this is a film that was lensed mostly in Belarus and funded, I guess, by the Belarusian government. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Uh, it does have some familiar faces in the cast. And when I say faces, I mean uh, two. There's two familiar faces in the cast. They are Sally Kirkland from, of course, Best of the Best and so many other roles, who shows up briefly briefly as the character of Elizabeth, and Eric Roberts as the villainous. Oh, spoiler alert. 
Dave Parker. Uh, I guess one of the other actresses are also in True Blood, but I have to be honest, every time there's an actress I don't recognize in a movie and I look up where she's famous from, it's always from True Blood. (laughs) So uh, I guess there's just a lot of people in that. I want to start this conversation. We're going to get into some of the controversial elements of this movie, and it is very controversial, but I want to start with our guest today, Robert. Robert, what did you think of The Code of Cain? You know, I have to say I was a little disappointed because I was Mm. actually hoping the religious propaganda would have been more upfront as opposed to the other propaganda, which we can get to later. Uh, The reason I picked it, you gave me a list of Eric Roberts movies that you haven't done. And I was like, Code of Cain, that sounds like, you know, some (laughs) uh, like 80s, you know, Christian scare movie, you know, Thief in the Night, something like that. Turned out it was just kind of not, it was in the background. So I was a little bit disappointed on that front. As it relates to the rest of it, <laughs> um, I don't know how you asked me before we went on the air if I, how I could rate it from one to ten, and yes. I have a real hard time giving it a number because I just don't know what to make of this movie. Oh, is that it? Is that the end of your statement on this <laughs> movie? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I don't know what to make of it. Like I, I, I don't know. I don't have a frame of reference for it. Like. Things that go on during the movie, choices made by either the director or the writer make no sense. It has odd tangents and digressions. The uh, use of various, you know, filmic techniques. Nothing makes sense in this movie to me. I think it's supposed to bring to mind a film series like The Bourne Identity. Yes. Where you have these these characters that, that get activated, basically, who don't know that they are carrying this mark. That's going to make them do dangerous and violent things. And at the center of this movie are kind of two pairings. There's these two reporters. And one of the reporters is actually, I guess, part of some sort of secret society that hunts down these people who have the mark. And the others are these two brothers. One of them is involved, I guess, as like the in the secret police in Belarus. And the other one... Also is part of this group as well. It's a little bit undefined. But they're brothers and they're feuding over, guess what, a woman. Oh. Uh, but they uh, uh, And one of the brothers, the younger one, uh, potentially has the mark of Cain. Uh, Liam, everything I said just then, is that correct what I just said? I think so. Okay. What did you think of this movie? Well, yes, Liam, what did you think? I want to Well, hear Douglas and Robert, mm-hmm. uh, my feeling is that Okay, so there's a few things that I want to say up front. One is that <laughs> there are a few sequences in this movie that are not terrible. Mm. Uh, at about one hour and two minutes into the film, they decide to have a chase sequence, which highlights the fact that a number of people involved in making this movie have made other movies in a stunt capacity, yes. and they start showing off some of their stunt abilities. Uh, unfortunately... As I said previously, this is an hour and two minutes into the film. So at that point, I just I've already checked out of the movie. Uh, And then once that chase sequence starts, it's pretty good, but it's not um, winning me over when a lot of the film has just been bad talking. Most of the movie is bad talking. And the film plays off of three brother relationships. You have our main character brothers who are at war uh, in some sense, over a, a you know a disagreement over a woman, which is turns out to be just a simple miscommunication. <laughs> then there's a, a a story of two brothers during the communist period, where a brother gets murdered because his brother is jealous of his wife and wants to take her for himself. And then of uh-huh. course there's the Cain and Abel relationship, which by the way, has nothing to do with a woman, actually. It's not even related to that. It's actually about uh, uh, sacrifice to God. And yet the film is pretty uninterested in what, where Cain and Abel actually come from and just wants to use it as a term for, I guess, people who are prone towards terrorism or something. Uh, and the film never actually connects these three stories. It just has them at play in the movie. They have nothing to do with each other. And then it just has a bunch of other decisions. I don't understand. As Rob already pointed out, the filmmaking is nonsensical. There's also decisions like, I just have trouble buying any, um, 
secret agent assassin type character who also has a wallet chain. That's unacceptable <laughs> for me. I cannot vibe with that whatsoever. Also, the first fight scene we have in the movie is just a bunch of random 50-year-old men in dad jeans <laughs> that, like, why are the old men fighting each other while someone else sets himself on fire? That doesn't get explained until I guess it gets explained at the end. Um, so there's a lot of complicated plot things happening that it's not clear that the people making the film understand how they connect and it becomes even more difficult for us to understand how they connect then on top of that the film is mostly dubbed because it was yes. i think originally filmed in russian belarusian i don't know oh what boy our belarusian audience are going to be very upset with you now sure sounds great i'm into it send me some tweets the point is is that i think that that makes it even harder to connect to because the dubbing is not great the performance of the dubbing is not great. Yeah, so I, I just had trouble caring about most of this movie. I will say, okay, a lot of the movies that we cover on Eric Roberts is the fucking man. In the la- the ones that come from say the last decade or so, many of them are very low budget, and this movie does not feel low budget. It it has like actual production value. There are scenes of people jumping out of airplanes. There are scenes of cars blowing up. Really impressively, actually. The cars blowing up were my favorite part of this movie. Um, and, and, you know, there's actually action on screen. Uh, and it's all very kind of professionally done outside of the writing and acting. <laughs> outside of everything else. Yeah, well, look. The, 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 but the actual... Um, it's a very polished movie in a lot of ways because it was specifically made to be like a Hollywood movie, except made in Belarus. And that brings me to the next extremely controversial aspect of this movie. Ooh, yay, the fun part. Yeah. Because, look, uh, listeners of Eric Roberts is the fucking man, I'm under no illusions about the idea that you're ever going to watch this movie. You could. It's available to f- for free to watch on Tubi.tv right now. And if you have Amazon Prime in the U.S., you can watch it. That's also available right now. Uh, but I don't think you're going to. So let's talk about something that's a little more interesting, which is that this movie, before it came out, I found an article from 2014 called Sharon Stone, Eric Roberts Urged Not to Appear in Movie Funded by Belarusian Government. This article says, Former political prisoners and families of President Lukashenko's uh, political opponents who are currently held in prison have urged Hollywood actors not to appear in Able, that's what the movie was called at the time, a movie funded by the Belarusian government that is widely viewed as a piece of propaganda. So this was a petition that was sent to Eric Roberts and Sharon Stone, who I guess was going to play the the, the, uh, Sally Kirkland, is that her name? Sorry, that makes sense. Yeah was going to play the Sally Kirkland part in the movie. Uh, but this is definitely the same movie that we're talking about. Eric Roberts uh, was asked by these former political prisoners not to appear in this movie. Liam, how does that make you feel to know that these people didn't want him to make it? And do you feel that this is an effective piece of propaganda? So the thing I don't understand really is the the pointed edge. I will say it functions somewhat as propaganda because the entire thesis of the film is that political agitators of both the violent and nonviolent kind are touched by the evil mark of Kate. So in that sense, I get it. Uh, but as political propaganda, it also seems weird to me, a other than making the Belarusian government seem on top of their stuff, I guess I don't really know what it does to sort of hype them up per se. Uh, I also, though, um, I don't know how it functions to have the ableists be unable to kill. By the way, sorry that the, their name is the ableists. They just, that's just what it is. <laughs> Can we discuss that for a second? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the they're, the people who stop the the killer people are called uh, ableists because they're I guess they're on the able side, and that's a problem. <laughs> Rob, explain to everyone why that's a problem. Because they keep taking down all the ramps that go into buildings. It's really <laughs> confusing. <laughs> Sorry, Rob. <laughs> I forget who identifies it. I think it's the uh, Sarah Kirkland character. She identifies the heroes, the good guys in this film, as ableists. I had to stop it and rewind it or like scroll backwards on my computer because I was like, wait, did they just say that? And then <laughs> I saw it again and I'm just like, oh, yeah, okay, so the heroes are ableists. That's that's an interesting choice. And obviously, it's not something they probably were aware of when they were making it, because the translation from Belarusian to English, that's probably not something they're looking for. They're not going to understand the um, politics of intersectionality. So the idea that something like this could make it through is just like icing on the cake for this movie. Sure. Liam, 
I want to talk to you briefly about something that we've discussed on a few episodes before, and I want to bring Robert into this conversation as well, which is that Eric Roberts, from the tweets that we've read out and on other episodes, obviously is a progressively minded person. Um, however, he is involved in, pro- in projects that are sometimes troublesome, whether they be faith-based films, which, again, it depends on your point of view whether that's troublesome or not, but certainly they take a point of view that might be at odds with his politics, or a pro-NRA film, which of which he's made a few, um, or a movie like this, which has explicitly propagandistic tendencies. There is a part in this movie which uh, was filmed, I guess, at a real demonstration that was occurring in the streets, and the demonstration, uh, which I'd be honest with you, I don't know what the demonstration was about, but it was certainly against the government. The protesters are shown to be extremely violent. They are shown to be the ones who are kind of pushing the violence. It was actually particularly interesting to see that in the uh, when you uh, considering what's going on in the world at this very moment where protesters are the ones who are kind of trying to resist police violence and are actually marching against police violence and then suffering from it at the same time. Liam, I'm going to stay with you on this first. Do we, or do you, feel that there's a hypocrisy to Eric Roberts in terms of the roles that he chooses? Oh, yeah, I... I... Okay, let me be. I want to be diplomatic about this because, um, you know, we like that Eric Roberts seems to like us and seems to like the show, <laughs> and and we'd rather not make the show about mocking Eric Roberts. However, mm. if I were Eric Roberts' friend, I would say it's weird that you keep saying yes to movies that go against the things that you claim to believe in, and especially when you're working with people who are known creepazoids, like so. When he argues that Kevin Sorbo seems like a nice guy, there's just no evidence to support that you claim whatsoever. How big? You know, I, oh. I can't, I can't vibe with that at all. So, uh, you know, yeah, I think I honestly think, and I could be wrong about this, but just off of some of the ways he's described getting other jobs, I'm not convinced he cares what the movie is about. Oftentimes, he cares right. about the vibe on set. And if people seem cool to him and seem cool to each other, he doesn't much care what the movie's about or if it has a message. I mean, I'm not saying there's no limit to that. I'm sure he could get asked to do something that he would say, this is just a little too far for me. But I think he in general thinks, you know, we live in a marketplace of ideas. Some people are going to be pushing (laughs) different agendas. So I'm just going to take a role with people who I like. And if the perspective is not perspective, who cares? And I mean, to some extent, He's not wrong because the idea that, like, well, when you're in this, Eric Roberts, you're boosting this message, and now millions of people are going to see it who wouldn't have seen it without your name on it. Again, I'm not trying to be a jerk, but we know that's factually untrue. Not a single one of these movies suddenly got boosted in the spotlight because they cast Eric Roberts. I mean, there is an element of there is a question of credibility. It does add a level, and I understand that that's that that. That some of the movies that we talk about on the show do not have credibility. But when you say that you have an actor who appeared in The Dark Knight and has an Oscar nomination, to a certain audience, it does lead a level of credibility to it. However, it's it's. I mean, I also think that we should at least go with the idea that it's possible that this article and this um, petition that was signed by all of these people, that Eric Roberts wasn't even aware that it existed. He's not exactly the most plugged-in guy. It's possible he just didn't know. However, knowing... I suppose it's also possible that some of the other films that he's been involved in, like that movie that uh, that that is explicitly pro AR-15, that he didn't know that that was a theme of it when he was making of it because he's just there to film his parts and the larger context isn't something that he necessarily cares about. Robert, do you have any trouble with the idea of an actor just taking any role that's offered to him uh, and, and not necessarily getting involved in the larger political bents of those movies? I mean, I'm probably not the person to ask this. I'm one of those people who doesn't necessarily have trouble distinguish, uh, you know, separating artist from art when watching something. And Roberts seems like, you know, he's not a lefty. He's a moderate liberal. So he's just going to go where the money is. And he's not necessarily going to interrogate the roles he's starring in. Um, It doesn't really bother me that he does these things, partially because... Most of these movies are only ever going to be seen by a very small audience. So the fact that he's collecting a paycheck, I guess, good for him. Um, And it's not going to affect my personal opinion of him because he's not someone who's ever made 
his political views central to who he is as an artist. He's starred in some, you know, art that has had political themes or undertones, but by and large, his career, the movies don't have that connected to them. They don't have larger, he's not someone who makes an effort to seek out, you know, roles where they represent left politics. So I'm not bothered by that fact that he takes roles, you know, in something like this, I guess is a little weird. You might have wanted to interrogate it a little more based on the fact that Belarus, for all intents and purposes, is a dictatorship. But beyond that, the roles he takes, like the faith-based films, eh, you know, if you're in a Christian film, most likely it's going to have shitty politics at this point because there isn't really a strong Christian left. And what of that exists isn't making movies. It's pure flicks who have shitty politics. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Liam, Sally Kirkland, wonderful actress. What is she doing in this movie? (laughs) She's doing almost nothing, Doug, in the sense that she has two scenes. One scene, she's talking, but I'm not clear that that was necessary because any number of other characters could have done the information dump that she provides. And then in the second scene, there's a weird family dinner that just is just not needed for me. I don't need that denouement of this movie whatsoever. And, and even trying to understand why she's at dinner with everyone is strange. So that's it. That's Those are the two scenes. It's weird. I don't understand it. I mean, again, it, it does seem to be just an op- opportunity to get some semi-famous faces on screen. It, it is interesting to think that that, uh, that role was originally supposed to go to Sharon Stone, if that article earlier is anything to go on. Uh, it's hard to imagine even Sharon Stone, who doesn't make a lot of appearances now, appearing for literally 15 seconds in this movie, but maybe not. Uh, it, it, it just a, a curious thing. Because of the kind of stilted nature of the plot of this movie, and the fact is, and I know that both of you don't agree with me on this, I just feel like the characters look too much alike and because they're not well-defined, I got a little confused about what was happening from scene to scene. I'm not saying on a face blindness level. Liam, do you think that the fact that I have difficulty telling some of these characters apart in this movie is a fault of the movie or a fault of my own potential face blindness? Um, a little column A, a little column B. I mean, there are some people who look alike. And I would say the film takes advantage of that because there's one character who I'm not convinced the same actor is in the movie. Like, I think that <laughs> they switch actors midway through the movie. Which uh, one? Um, her, that wall chain warrior guy. <laughs> is it Chris? Is that the guy yeah. who's with them? Yeah. Yeah, because the gentleman who is Chris earlier in the film, I don't think is the guy in Belarus. I think... I, I don't know. I could be wrong, but that's, that's no. I, I think you're right. He certainly moves a lot. Look, when in the action scene at the beginning of the movie, the actor playing Chris, who I believe is a stuntman, he does a fight scene that is incredibly awkward looking. But then later, he's racing around on a motorcycle. <laughs> maybe they just, you know, maybe they just because you never see his face really later in the movie as well. No, it's definitely not the same guy. But uh, I will say the reason I think it's funny you had trouble telling the brothers apart is because. Um, one of the brothers, so there's the main, the main guy is Igor with an E, and the other guy's name is Pavel. And Pavel has clearly awkwardly dyed his hair blonde, so he looks like the brother of Igor. Because apparently in Belarus, uh, brothers can't have different hair colors because genetics <laughs> is a thing there. Uh, so he has very awkwardly dyed his hair to match, so they match, and it's distracted me the whole movie. Like the whole you know, time, I, should, I, I was I, like, I should... yo, bro, I can see your roots. <laughs> Like, your roots are showing. Like, what is happening in this movie? I I should say, I didn't have any trouble telling those brothers apart, but I did have trouble if there was another scene where one of the, like, the brothers weren't together, whether the character that I was looking at was supposed to be one of the brothers or not. Uh, Though I should say I have less of an issue when it comes to Igor, who has a kind of a distinctive look. But when it comes to Pavel, I mean, he just looks like every single person in the background. One of the bomb. So the the ge- the gentleman who is the bomber, who you thought was the other guy, who's definitely not the other guy. This uh, got to be so confusing to people listening he, right now. What could you possibly like be Pavel. talking about? So, uh, so basically, uh, there's a guy who works with Pavel. Who, so it's revealed later on that there's a series <laughs> of matching rings that they realize are present at all of the various disasters. And so she kind of figures out that while there are the uh, ableists, which, again, fuck, uh, there must be a corresponding group that is sort of their shadow side. And that's why they all have those matching rings at all the various disasters, which is it's just two, but the theory is that they're all over the place. And sure. so the gentleman who works with Pavel 
is the guy who has the matching ring, who is sort of like this overseeing gentleman. He's not the scared kid with the bombs. The scared kid with the bombs is an entirely different character. But the guy who plays the scared kid with the bombs looks a lot like Pavel. So there's it's confusing. And especially because the scared kid with the bombs and Pavel also look like the guy who's pretending to be Chris, who's definitely not Chris from the beginning of the movie. So this movie has some confusing elements to yeah. it. And I, uh, I just want to... Look, we're never going to make heads or tails of it, but I just want to talk briefly about something we've already alluded to, which is the ending of the movie. Uh, our... Our lead character, who is uh, who has been, I guess, traveling around the world to track down these people with the Mark of Cain, she finds out at the ending that Eric Roberts, who is the person who's been sending her on these missions, is he actually, I guess, has the Mark of Cain? And uh, but there's some sort of supernatural element where she can't kill him. Am I am I right so far on this, Liam? Well, that's the whole point of the the again i hate saying it again the ableists the ableists don't go and assassinate people who have the mark of cain instead what they do is try to convince them not to do bad things thereby they don't so okay so the message of the end of the movie is that whether you are uh, of the group of abel or of the group of cain you still make your own decisions in other words and i hate to say this because it's true but it's so embarrassing I believe the message at the end of the film is an anti-racism message in that uh, <laughs> whatever community you were born into, you're, you aren't necessarily going to be evil, even right. though the basis of your community is, in fact, evil because you're f- from Cain, you evil monster. But, but you could decide <laughs> but you could decide not to be evil. And so what happens here is uh, Eric Roberts is actually of the ableist. However, he has realized that through monitoring people who are doing the work of Cain, he can make money. He can use it for his own profit. And that means that he has chosen to become someone with the mark of Cain, which means she can't kill him or she will be cursed. Now, the movie also suggests at the end that he has a curse coming because he's been killing these people. And so therefore, he will get the seven curses from when you kill Cain. But it doesn't show it happen. I, I... What's amazing to me is this i think this movie is very confusing but apparently you guys were way more confused than i was all this was pretty clear i mean they me. did say it but it's just that the supernatural if you can call it that aspects the religious aspects of it they're just they it's like the movie remembers it every once in a while but for the most part this movie has nothing to do with that it's right. just these characters you know interacting with these people who are quote-unquote evil but they could very well not be evil because of this Mark of Cain. It's just because they are terrorists or, you know, whatever the view of terrorists are there. Robert, you were you wanted to add something to that? So are we sure that Eric Roberts chose to become, you know, a member of the Cain, Canaanites? Is that what they're called? Canaanites? <laughs> I think so. That's what her narrative at the end of the movie suggests, that she well, has yeah. chosen. The the he impression I got from him is that he was he was always he always had the mark of Cain and he was just an ableist, sorry, for uh like he was he was a secret agent going deep undercover with the able group, but he always had the mark of Cain. That's kind of how I interpreted it. So It's possible, ending, but her, her voiceover yeah. just seems to suggest that in the end it, it, the labels don't matter anyway, because you can just choose it. Though well, the, it, it strongly suggests that if you are born with the mark of Cain you're more likely to be evil, but don't worry, you could choose to not be evil because we all have a choice in the end. It seems like it goes one way, though. It's more, it's not that the ableists, again, sorry, um, can choose. (laughs) It's more, I mean, I guess they can choose, but it's more like if if you're evil, you can be good. So it's the idea that, you know, people with the mark of Cain can choose to be good, but it, again, it depends on whether or not Eric Roberts chose to become a member of the group of people with the mark of can or if he always had it so the way i read it was that he was deep undercover and he always had that i do want to mention that the 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 closing voiceover which is just awful suggests that we should all choose love and that is the thing that we need to be doing right now is choosing love and in the context of the movie choosing love involves the two reporters at the center of this movie they get together with their with with one of the brothers each, and then they all come to visit L.A., 
where they, I guess, have someone driving them around because the camera does catch someone driving them that isn't them. And then they all go to dinner with Sally Kirkland and have a great old time in L.A. Made me feel pretty good to see Liam. What did you think about that? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's good <laughs> stuff. Let's talk about Eric Roberts, the actor. Hold uh, on, Eric... I have a question for you guys before we Please. move on to that. So, because this includes scenes from a 2010 anti-government protest, would you consider this movie, The Belarusian... Medium cool. Oh, very interesting. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Uh, get that on the poster when they do the re-release. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure it has quite the same politics as Medium Cool, but that was one of the things I was thinking. This is one of the only movies I can think of that has an actual demonstration included as a part of its narrative. I'm trying to think. I remember uh, seeing a movie somewhat recently that took advantage of massive demonstrations in the street and use that footage within the context of it. But in this one, I mean, it's it's very interesting how they integrate that demonstration into the making of this movie um, because it means that they can have these mass crowd scenes, <laughs> I guess, without having to blur out people's faces. I don't, yeah. I don't really understand how that necessarily works. Let's talk about Eric Roberts in this movie. Robert, Eric Roberts plays the <laughs> the leader of the ableists who also is we find out at the end is evil uh, i could have guessed from the first time we see him in the movie that he was going to end up being evil at the end uh he, he gets woken up in the middle of the night from a phone call and just acts like a jerk the whole time and i think the whole you know there's a strong this is not a good guy energy coming from him what did you think of his performance in this movie that's a question yeah it's a tough one i know yeah it's hard to tell because you know it's hard to tell when he's putting in effort on a lot of movies anymore Unless it's like, you know, something like The Dark Knight where he clearly has to. Um, a lot of his low-budget movies, unless he's, you know, going over the top like the Stalk by My Doctor series, he kind of sleepwalks through them and he sort of does that here. He plays kind of a generic bad guy. I don't think he was too concerned with the nuances of what was going on with his character or even if his character had any, you know, emotional depth or motivation. He's just kind of like, he's there. He is there. I do think that in his climactic moment at the end where he's giving kind of a fairly long monologue, even though all the things he says are horseshit, I do think he delivers it pretty intensely and well, though I also think that might be the only moment of what I would call substantial acting that he does in the movie. Liam, your thoughts on his performance in this? Yeah, this is one of his less passionate performances. My (laughs) guess is because he filmed it in a matter of hours one day. (laughs) Like, it really feels like, all right, we'll shoot in the front. Oh, shoot in the shoot in the back. Or right, shoot one more. Just get a little. Okay, we're good. All right, see you later, Eric. Like it. It. Uh, it I. I bet that day, if you asked him what the movie was about, he wouldn't be able to tell you. You know what I mean? So. Like, oh, absolutely. I guarantee you, he has no idea. Yeah. So I. I just can't. This. You know. Not that we haven't had this scenario before, but this is to me a particularly egregious example of us watching a lot of stuff to not get a lot of quality Eric Roberts. <laughs> It's happened a few times in the context of the show, but you know, that's half the fun, right, Liam? Didn't you have a lot of fun waiting for Eric Roberts to show up in this movie? Oh, wow. It's, uh, <laughs> uh, it's so Liam, much fun. At some point, say 80 minutes in, did you start to be concerned that we might not ever see Eric Roberts again in this movie? Oh, 100%. <laughs> I, until, until the, until the, uh, chase scene which again i'm not saying it's great but at least something was happening until that chase scene i kind of thought like am i even going to be able to remember this movie like i don't know i don't know if i can absorb what's happening in this film at all so that brings us to the very concept behind this podcast which is whether in the code of cain eric roberts is the fucking man i'm gonna stick with you liam is eric roberts the fucking man in this movie It's hard because this is not egregious. And so, uh, you know. <sighs> Wait, I, let, let me ask you this just as a quick uh, kind of, of side question. Yeah. Who gives the best performance in this movie? <laughs> I don't know. I, okay. You know what? Eric Roberts is the man. You know what? Because, because. <laughs> no one in this movie is really doing a good job, so I guess <laughs> on the scale of the film itself, he is one of the standout performances. <laughs> Robert, thoughts on whether Eric Roberts is the fucking man? 
I mean, if we're judging them by the substance of the other performances, it's a little hard because this the dubbing in this movie is particularly egregious, mm-hmm. where any scenes that weren't filmed in English are hard to follow because the words don't even come close to matching the lips. The accents sound like... so. <laughs> They're clearly supposed to be, like, in Eastern Europe, but whoever's doing the accent is doing some weird American regional accent I can't identify. So, right there, it's hard to judge any of the performances of any of the actors besides Mm -hmm. Sally Kirkland and Eric Roberts, because they're the only two that, you know, I could judge in a way that I would feel would be fair. So, in that sense, between the two, I would say Eric Roberts wins purely based on the fact that he has more than one scene in the movie. So I'll say Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Ooh, a hesitant, but still a, a, a very a pleasant to hear Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Well, you know what? Boy, usually I'm the person who has to say Eric Roberts is the fucking man while the guest and Liam say that he's not. And now I feel very conflicted about it. But you know what? <laughs> I don't feel conflicted at all. Eric Roberts is the fucking man in the excruciatingly terrible movie, The Code of Cain. As I mentioned before, you can watch this movie for free right now on Tubi.tv. If you're going to watch it, please watch it for free. Please do not <laughs> provide any more money to the Belarusian government if you can at all help it. Uh, and give us your own thoughts. You can, of course, uh, contact us via social media, and we'll get to how to do that in just a moment. But before we do that... I want to thank our guest today, Robert Scavarla, who has taken uh, time out of his very busy schedule to both pick a terrible movie and talk about it for an extended <laughs> period of time. Robert, if people want to catch up on the work that you do on the internet, what's the best way for them to do so? Uh, two places. You can either go to my Twitter, which is at Robert Scavarla, figure out how to spell that yourself, or you can go <laughs> to Diabolique Magazine, where um, I most frequently write. I would strongly recommend that you do both of those things. And, of course, uh, check out the Evil Eye podcast, which is uh, found on the Cinepunks uh, network. Uh, Liam O'Donnell. How are you doing today, Liam? Didn't you already ask me that? Is that how yeah, we started? Yeah, we started. <laughs> I've decided that we're going to do the whole podcast over again. Fuck no. Please, God. <laughs> Liam, I mean, now, what I meant to say is how are you doing now that we've been talking for well over an hour about this really uninteresting movie? I'm so over it. <laughs> when you say that. over it, do you mean the movie or the Eric Roberts is the fucking man podcast? <laughs> little, little, little bit of both. <laughs> uh, it was a, it was a true delight to have Robert on, and I really think people should not only follow him on Twitter but check out his writing, and you know, of course, check out Evil Eye. But I've actually liked a lot of stuff he's he's been writing recently, so I think people oh, should check it out. Thank you, Liam. Well, Just you're the recently? best, Rob. Uh, yeah, stuff before that sucked. He wrote some stuff for Cinepunks. I just put it up because he's my friend, man. It's bad. You don't want to read it. I agree. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Don't agree. Liam, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, they shouldn't, but if they have to, I'd say uh, at Cinepunks is the best way. So that's C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X. Uh, that's on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're all the places. A lot of the times, that's not actually me. That's Justin Lore. But still... You should still use that to keep up with us. And then they can, of course, go to cinepunks.com to not only find this podcast, but to find a whole family of podcasts loving and learning together. If you want to subscribe to Cinema Smorgasbord, and I really would love you to do that, you can do that at cinemasmorgasbord.com. Subscribe via iTunes, Spotify, whatever your choice is. And if you want to leave us a review on iTunes, give us a rating. We would certainly appreciate that, especially if it's positive. That's the ones that we really appreciate. And if you can always leave us a comment, as Liam mentioned, on our social media or via an email on that website as well. Uh, Besides that, Liam, I don't think there's much more to say. Wait, I forgot to say my own Twitter account, which is at Doug underscore Chili. That's T-I-L-L. E-Y. Did you say Liam Rules when you were talking, Liam? I kind of tuned out. No. Liam is available on Twitter. He hates to say it. At Liam Rules. That's R-U-L-Z. You can find those links on the website as well. But for now, I think that's all that can possibly be said about Eric Roberts and his vast filmography. We'll be back very soon with another Eric Roberts classic. Good night, everybody. Night. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. If there's anything that you can.